hello and welcome to episode 138 of the 1099 for the week of March 12th, 2018. I'm your host, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is the host of the UFC Minute, former cast member of all that, current YouTuber, sometimes singer, model who rewards her diet with incredible cheat days, and returning guest, Lisa Foyles. Lisa, how are you doing? Uh, 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 uh. That was an amazing intro. That Just was, for you. You planned that. You wrote that. No, down that was like, off the dome. That's not no, off the dome. Nothing no. I do is really off the dome. I don't trust myself enough to just like improvise my way through this stuff. I wish I could have you intro me at like parties, like when I meet people, because like I always, you know, I'm just super awkward and uh, at least uh, on the internet could, sometimes. Uh, could you imagine you flying me from Jacksonville to Vegas just to introduce you at parties to people who you don't know? And then I fly home like an hour later. The best part is even if it would just be like house parties, like just at, like <laughs> you know a friend of a friend's house and be like, okay, okay, tonight we're gonna go over watch the UFC fight. There's gonna be like five of us. Just intro me to like you know everybody I don't know. I feel and like you can leave. You can get in, some free food and then get out. In terms of social awkwardness, it might be more awkward to have to these people another stranger be like, here's Lisa. Let me tell you some facts about her, and I'm gonna actually introduce you to her as a person. It's it's, it's gonna work out. We would give them all something to talk about for months. (laughs) Um, Speaking of things that we're going to talk about, it's probably going to feel like months because we have 8 billion questions to get to. Um, This is it's not that many. It's going to take an hour. But this is a return of the bonus Q&A mailbag episode. I'll have a cut your name for it by the time I actually post it. So this is where a whole bunch of listeners ask myself and usually a returning guest. I've had like Mike Laidlaw, who is the creative director of Dragon Age and some other random people who have come back and talked on this podcast with me. We go over Twitter, uh, Twitter tweets. I, that, that's how that works. Emails, Reddit posts, and we answer as many as possible. Usually by the end of these, we learn super weird things about each other that we didn't know because people ask crazy questions. It's going to get awkward. It's 1000% going to get awkward. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's everything from comedic inspirations to the worst games that are played to like, again, there's some weird stuff in here that I had to throw in where I'm like, I don't know how you're going to answer this. I don't know how I'm going to answer this. And I didn't Boy. show you any of these questions because I think this works better when you're surprised. Yeah, so. I didn't read any of the uh, the Twitter ones. Maybe a couple, but... That's oh, well, then this is this is great. You're just going to like completely be caught off guard. And that's why I've actually read the questions that I have the advantage here. That's all these podcasts are how good you don't can have Josiah to, sound. I can hear you smiling like in your voice. You don't have to <laughs> smile so maniacally as you say. I love it. I also love these podcasts because every time I podcast with you, which is now twice, but it feels like more times, it's always like really late. So I can start drinking at this point. And I usually make a drink right before all of these. Damn and these it. podcasts I get better over time. I meant to drink before this. I honestly thought about it all day. I'm like, I need to have like at least one or two beers before that i forgot ah. i'm i feel great that you've been thinking about this podcast all day i, really I have, I have. That you know what so okay i was thinking about how you're just crushing it lately <laughs> you know what i mean like you had these amazing guests and you got this like fancy pants new logo which is mm-hmm. super killer and you're just like doing amazing. I'm like so proud of you. <laughs> oh, this is this is adorable. This is the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Well, I've you're had... just such a nice guy, and <laughs> you're such a good host, and you like Aww. you deserve to be popular, and you're just like doing really well, and it's just it's awesome. Every job interview I go into, I just yell, "I deserve to be popular," and then like hopefully they'll be able to notice me. I, I super Here's... appreciate that. Um, no, here's how we pay each other back. You take okay. me to all your job interviews. I take you to all my parties. We help <laughs> each other out. Boom. 
it's going to be super great and people are going to be very confused in all situations. But I think it's, it's similar to these questions. It's the element of surprise that's going to get them when they're like, I think we interviewed two people. Do we have to hire both of them? And then you're like, no, it's just it's one person. But you get that double experience. It's like a deal. It's like a 50 percent off. And it's going to be great. I'm really excited. Yeah. This is a really great business strategy. Um, no, but thank you so much. Yeah. And the logo, I, the, the designer who reached out to me to do that was like super nice. And I, as soon as he sent it over, I'm like, oh my God, this is so, it's these perfect. people are so much more talented so than perfect. me. Yeah. It's, that, that's, that's the secret to any success is you find people way more talented than you and they help yes. you make stuff. For sure. um, so let's start with Twitter because we have a lot of like quick hit ones. We have a couple longer emails and Reddit posts. Uh, this one is actually one that I really want to know about you. Um, because it's something I don't have any experience with. This is from Chris Burke at Mr. Burke Math on Twitter, uh, who wants to know, what is your favorite scotch? And the reason I want to know this is because I'm a big whiskey guy, but I've never actually had scotch, and I know nothing about it. And please educate me and the rest of everyone who's listening. So here's why my husband is horrible. (laughs) (laughs) What a start. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so he, uh, we went to Scotland, and I was pregnant at the time, and I couldn't drink, and that really made me upset. But while we were there, he learned about scotch and he became obsessed with scotch. And uh, he really likes the crazy smoky stuff like, uh, you know, the Lagavulin, like Ron Swanson drinks and uh, the Octomores and the Kiloman and the Bowmore, you know, all these brands I'm just throwing out. I'm so null. I'll believe you. I'll believe um, you. Yeah. But uh, so he became really obsessed with that. And when we came back to America and I could drink again, I was like, I want to share your hobby uh, so that you're not just like a a weirdo drinking by yourself all the time. So he's like, "Okay, let me start you off with with this beverage. And he just like hands me a glass of his crazy smoky scotch. (laughs) Crazy with a Q. Yes. And I'm and I'm a person who has never sipped alcohol straight ever. I don't do that. Why would anyone do that? It's horrible. Um, so I went from never drinking any alcohol straight to like what is considered the harshest scotch ever, ever made. So I was like, this is great. And then my insides are burning and I'm suffering and this is the worst pain I've ever experienced. But uh-huh. I'll do it because I'm, you know, I'm game and I'm down to party. So uh, I get used to it. I get used to drinking the really smoky stuff. And I actually, you know, I soldier through the pain. To the point yeah. where I can actually enjoy some of the flavors now. <laughs> you know how on the bottle it's like, oh, this is creamy caramel and you know hints of chocolate, and it's actually just burning death. Like that's yeah. really what it is. Um, so yeah, I started out with the really smoky stuff, and uh, and then when we went to Ireland and I started tasting whiskeys there, that I was like, this is nothing. Like this is kid stuff. All this whiskey is so easy to drink compared to the really really smoky stuff. <laughs> Um, so as for scotch, um, you know, I really do like uh, like the Lagavulin, the Lagavulin 16, the Ron, Ron Swanson's. Uh, that sounds so fancy. It is. It's quite fancy. It's, yeah. I, I, OK, just like a dumb question. What is the difference between like a scotch and a bourbon? Um, OK, well, scotch has to be made in Scotland. OK. Obviously. Uh-huh. And um, uh, I don't know that much about bourbon. Um, I know that. Scotch has to age for, I think it's like at least, oh God, like three years exactly or something like that. Oh God, it's all crumbling. All my knowledge is going away. <laughs> um, I don't know that much, uh, but uh, but yeah, I drink scotch now. 
it, it's funny how acquired tastes work where it's like that with when you're younger coffee or beer or something like that where you're like i'm gonna soldier through this yeah. terrible tasting stuff until a point where i love it even though in most cases the things that are acquired tastes are bad for you so you're yes. like just fuck me up whiskey that i hate and scotch that i hate so eventually i can tolerate you <laughs> and then possibly develop a problem yeah, it's really the exactly. <laughs> It's the right way to live. I say that as I just made an old fashioned because I'm an old man right before this podcast. So it's it's really the best way to do this. You remember like your parents being like, here, have a sip of my beer and you taste it and be like, ew, that's gross. And yeah, and then everything. Well, I'm a, I have a French family, so I I started drinking. Not let me let me preface this by saying I wasn't an alcoholic as a child, but I started drinking <laughs> wine when I was like seven because yeah, it's just I like your family yeah, at dinner French, is like, French you want to try yeah. this? And then by the yeah. time you're nine, you're like, you know, like swishing it around in your mouth and spitting it and be like, mm, and you're like <laughs> talking about the different berry flavors that come through. Like it was like that with um, coffee and wine and stuff like that when I was younger. And then like That's whiskey hilarious. came way later. Oh, you're such a refined child. Oh, uh, you're gonna learn so much about Josiah's childhood and i'm gonna learn so much about yours because a lot of weird questions in here okay next question comes from zach lr bearclaw at lr bearclaw on twitter uh this is directly for you because has your name in it lisa will you be will we be hearing your singing again with gav for miracle of sound and then in parentheses please say yes yes actually yes are you Um, just saying that because he said please or is this real no 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 um Yes, sort of. There's like a, there's a, I'm saying yes, but then in parentheses, it's like sort of. And it's also, I can't talk about it. So. Oh, okay. Oh, look at this. It's I like know. a semi exclusive like, that you can't talk about, which I'll It I'll is. Take. It is. You tapped right into like the one thing I can't really talk about it because it's, it's so, it's so awesome. And it debuts in like two weeks. And it's the coolest thing I've done in years. And I'm really excited about it. So everyone just like, you know, hold on to your butts or whatever and uh it's gonna be great good on this person for immediately keying on something you yeah, can barely talk about that's know, always the goal that's awesome. i that's half my anytime i ever talk to anyone i'm like so the new dragon age game how do you want to talk about it yeah, and it's just it. never fully there but we got this one out of the way early uh this you're, person is your, is your equivalent equivalent of like bribing somebody like over a podcast like you're you're like sending them bitcoins like bitcoins oh my, are, like, that popping be my up thing. on their i never screen. got it's i like, never here's got 10 fucking... bitcoins to, to <laughs> tell me your information even though 10 bitcoins is like what like ten thousand dollars that's a lot Anyway, <laughs> I, I never got into the Bitcoin thing early enough. I was actually dating a girl who um, right before Bitcoin got big, like she had some and she I think she 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 sold it like no. right before it exploded. Like I haven't talked to her in like a while, but I remember being like, I have these from a friend who just gave them to me. So I think I might like and the, the value at that point was like she'd get like three hundred dollars for it, which right. is probably worth like thirty thousand or some shit now. So I yeah. I missed my crazy. shot. I sh- should have invested crazy. all this podcast dough into Bitcoin and then yeah, watch I, it. Roll I have in. Bitcoins and it's a quite a day. Daily roller coaster. Do you really? Oh yeah, we. I see it like go up and down every day. It's crazy. <laughs> I did you get them recently, or was this from like five years uh, ago and just suddenly no, no, like holy no, like, shit? Probably like a year ago. Oh, so you're probably still gonna make Bitcoin money out of this? Yeah, I still got in when it was a good time. So. Oh, well, look at you. See, I'm gonna start know. taking business advice from you. Yeah, I'm. I'm oddly trusting of strangers. <laughs> Uh, speaking of strangers, next question. Uh, this is from Scott Danielson at Scott C. Danielson on Twitter. This is mostly for you, but I could chip in. Uh, favorite cosplay costume, either seen or worn. I Josiah has not done cosplay before, but Lisa has done cosplay. So what is the favorite cosplay costume you've done? Uh, well, first I'll say my favorite that I've seen. And mm-hmm. that was, uh, I think, like the most amazing Samus Aran costume. I think it's like the one that's 
like all over the internet if you search for like best semiseren cosplay ever it's like some chick just did an incredible job um and uh i've always loved that one but one that i've done um probably my harley quinn because i did it kind of before every girl ever in the whole world did it you know what i mean <laughs> yeah and i was gonna like, say you have to have like a really good standout one because like now yeah. everyone's doing it yeah it was one of the first ones it was after it was when um the Batman game with her in the nurse costume. Was that Arkham Asylum? Yeah. Yes. It was uh, Arkham Asylum just came out. I immediately made the costume. Like, you know, K- Kotaku posted the pictures of it and everything. And I-, I made it all completely from scratch. Like, I, you know, was up late at night, like, sewing little pieces together and buying random things at Goodwill and just piecing this whole costume together i dyed my hair blonde like i was committed to this costume and uh, yeah i was one of the first person one of the first people to make that particular harley quinn costume and uh, i was really proud of it um but now obviously it's like super unoriginal and everybody's done it but it was cool at the time i was proud of it (laughs) do you still cosplay or do you have any plans to do it soon i dress up for halloween That's you know okay. I mean? I'll take that. And that kind of counts as cosplay because I always kind of do like a geeky character every year. But I don't have time to just make costumes throughout What's the year. What's your best Halloween costume? Um, My Sally last, not this last year I did Jessica Jones, which I think I pulled off pretty well. And the year before that I did Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas. And that one also I sewed completely by hand and drew all the patterns on the fabric completely by hand. Um, so I really liked that one. I thought that was kind of hardcore that I, that's, that's impressive. Yeah. And I don't have any kind of like costume making experience. Like I don't really know how to work a sewing machine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know what I'm doing. It's always just an arts and crafts project from hell every time I do it. Well, that's probably fun though. Like you're learning along the way. And then by the end you're like, Oh, like this is rad. This is something I had no idea I could even do. And then it's like when you're trying to build something like a desk, this is coming from someone who's never built a desk, but I would assume if you're building a desk by the end, you're like, I didn't know I could build a desk, but look at this fucking desk. And you Um, always say, and I'll never build one again. Yeah. That's, Oh my God. I, uh, after every Halloween, I will never do another costume again. And this is a complete semi well that's like a half tangent when i first moved to florida i moved here without any furniture or anything so i moved and then bought everything at once and i got this fucking coffee table that was one of those like ikea it's definitely going to take three hours no matter how you're good uh-huh. you are at this yeah. and i was on the, the the wrong end of the spectrum for being good at it and like two and a half hours in i'm just angry i'm sweaty i, I don't have a bed yet so i'm sleeping on an air mattress and i remember just like <laughs> losing this screw and i couldn't find it and i'm like turning the 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 table over to try to find it can never find it whatever i'll just build it without with one screw missing finally complete it turn it back over and i'm like it's fucking done three hours later thank god turns out i dropped the screw and it like landed pointy side up and when i flip the table there's just one scratch from one side all the way to the other and that was the closest i was like 22 just moving on my own for the first time i almost threw that fucker right out the like patio window i was so <laughs> angry so like that's why i don't build stuff anymore that's a really that's a really depressing story yeah and i know you well, do, you do discover something about yourself when you build ikea furniture for sure you really do uh i don't have any cosplay i can add to your cosplay for a halloween costume i did bob ross twice because nice. like the first time it just worked and then I had like a, hey, there's this big <laughs> house party that, that everyone's going. Can you go tomorrow? And I'm like, I don't have a costume. Bob Ross it is. Right. Um, 
and yeah so that's that's my favorite I, in terms of like actually cool stuff i've seen anything relating to overwatch i'm into yeah like if you if, you, if it's like <laughs> i'm super into like weird stuff like hey you know roadhog this is gender bent roadhog where it's just some <laughs> like not like it's some very in shape woman running around with a hook and being roadhog and you're like that's <laughs> that's great this is perfect um, so that's what, you know, that's what I'm looking for in cosplay. Uh, next person, man, this is completely, this is a different tone compared to everything we've had so far. This is from Maria Hicken at, oh boy, there's a lots of Z's in it. And this person knows how to pronounce it. I don't, uh, when you're going, it, I, you know, I just made noises when you're going through a tough time. What games do you turn to for stress relief or comfort? And then also on the flip side, what games can you never play or enjoy due to the way they affect your mood? Um, I think immediately what I thought of when I read this and you haven't read it because I'm dropping this on you now uh, with how social games have become any, anytime I'm actually like, I feel like shit today or something happened and it's bugging me instead of a specific game that maybe for the gameplay itself, I enjoy, I'll go for something like, let's say, Overwatch, like I just mentioned, which I have this core group of friends where you can bullshit your way through it, where it doesn't really matter what you're playing with some games. You can take a yeah. really bad multiplayer or cooperative game and just play with a group of friends and it becomes good. I've had plenty of games that I can look at, quote unquote, objectively and say, this is poorly designed or this right. isn't that much fun. But when you're yelling with friends or just playing with them after a day like that, for me, that's always like my let's feel better and just talk to people while we're playing this stupid game. Yeah, totally. And uh, I think for me, um, I like to kind of go back and play classics that I've already beat a hundred times. Like, cause my, mm. like my favorite games are puzzle solving games like Grim Fandango and the secret of monkey Island. And obviously I have all of those, you know, on steam and on Xbox, just, you know, ready to play anytime. Uh, my thing is that like my life gets so stressful, stressful when I have, I have so many things to do in life. That's what, that's what kind of depresses me and, and makes me freak out is when I just have so much piled on me. And when that's the case in real life, I can't handle a game that feels like a chore. So yep. if I start playing a new game that just asks too much of me and I just, I can't beat this boss, I can't get to this next level, that just adds to the burdens on my shoulders. <laughs> like it stresses me out because I'm like a perfectionist and like I want to do well in whatever game I'm playing. So if it's equally hard and asking me to do too many things, it's it's it adds to my stress. So I have to kind of be able to, you know, play old games that uh, I kind of already know the puzzle answers to and I can just enjoy the comedy. You know what I mean? That yeah. I can kind of, you know, veg out with that kind of stuff. Oh, totally. If you have to start like a open world game with a brand new character you're making oh or God. like I uh, I just got um, I got Yakuza 6 early today. I think we're doing to do a podcast with that team in the near future. And I, nice. I've never really played a Yakuza game before. And boy, is it story heavy. And there is this um like in case you haven't played feature at the start where it's just all of this dialogue explaining what happens in the first fucking five games. Oh, and I saw that and I started reading through it and I started sweating where I'm like, oh my God, I, there's 18 <laughs> characters that I don't know already. This person died and I have no emotional attachment to them because I can't even pronounce their name. I pronounced it worse than this Twitter person oh, that we're no. talking about right now. <laughs> and then just halfway through, I'm like, I can't, I can't deal with this. Like this after work, this feels like more work. So that's definitely a game on right. my list of like, like you said, if that's something where you can't really play because it affects your mood, it's when you are piled on with work and suddenly play a video game that might in the end be your favorite of the year but just to break through that initial barrier feels like work 
Yeah, you know, and I, I sometimes I care too much with every game that I play. Yep. Like, I love games so much that I, I want to just completely absorb myself in anything I'm playing. And kind of on a related note, I think one of my better Kotaku articles that I wrote back in the day was um, uh, on Tetris Syndrome. Because hmm. I, for reals, suffered from Tetris Syndrome. And uh, you're aware of this, right? Of what yes. that syndrome is? Okay, yeah. So I, it, and it was actually for the game Tetris. Like that that term applies to lots of games, but I was in a competition with my friend of who could get the best Tetris score. And I played it so much every single day that it just started to overtake my life. I dreamed about it. Like I couldn't close my eyes without seeing falling blocks. I would just see Tetris pieces everywhere I went in buildings, in magazines, like everything, everywhere I looked, it was just Tetris, Tetris, Tetris. And I just, I was literally like suffering from Tetris syndrome. From the syndrome. <laughs> I had a problem. It was bad. Yeah, and, that doesn't uh, help with the stress. If you're going through shit, you don't want to be like seeing a fucking straight line coming down right, in the highway right, and be like oh no move that over that's not in the right spot totally. yeah it's i get too into it i get too into it well and it, this is the flip side of overwatch that i just mentioned which is a great game with like friends you could talk to uh, because i play so often like the um the ranked competitive stuff which you have a score attached to yourself that goes up and down based on wins and losses when i lose like three in a row and i get angry at it i'll like get off for a bit and be like all right guys talk to you later and then i'll just get on like an hour later and solo one game where i'm like i need that win i, can, I need to at least win two to get close like the score is too low and i work from home so like two, half the people i play with have like real fucking jobs and are waking right. up early so i'm like it's like 1 a.m i'm like i can i can still play one more and then you always oh, lose that one and then stress level time bastard. i can't help it it's the worst shit uh yeah. this is from jonah rosa at jonathan rosales nailed that one uh on a scale of one to ten ten being great and one being bad what are your thoughts on anime lisa um i okay i don't know oh this is about to be about... shit talking anime <laughs> no, no, i'm no, ready I for don't this know enough lose about half anime. the audience <laughs> i don't know enough about anime to know what's considered real anime you know oh, what boy. i mean yeah. Okay. So, like, for example, um, you know, the like the Castlevania show on Netflix. Mm. I don't know if that's considered anime, but like, I loved it. Boy, I, I, I wonder. It. Um, I think that's like in the middle ground. But I would, I would, you know what? I'm gonna give it the anime stamp of approval. Let's. Th- no, that's, that's anime. Ta- I, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's like I, I used to be completely obsessed with Sailor Moon back in the day. I don't know if that's anime. Like, that's, that's anime, hundred percent. That's okay, the Josiah okay. anime seal of approval. I was so obsessed, like, to the point where, like, I would, like, try to make jewelry that, like, looked like hers and try to do my hair. Like, I was, it was bad. I was really obsessed. Um, I've, you know, watched my share of Death Note, not, like, the new one, like, the original Okay, that's anime. I liked that. That was, like, way back in the day. Um, I can't do Dragon Ball Z. I can't do oh, shouting. No. It's too much shouting. It's, I'm, you sorry. Look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I definitely look at you differently now and have less respect for you, but I'm not angry about it. Like, it's yeah. <laughs> speaking of like, I'm not a huge anime person, but when I was younger, um, I was obsessed with Dragon Ball Z to like an unhealthy point where, so I was homeschooled for the longest time. And during this homeschool period, <laughs> I forgot that we had that tsunami weird... every day yep. and the girls watch Sailor Moon and the boys watch Dragon Ball Z. That's, that's how exa- it works. That's usually See? how it went. It's and funny. I, I think both of us are probably in the similar zone of we like casual, popular anime. Where like when I was younger, yeah. it was Dragon Ball Z, and there was like Yu Yu Hakusho and Roroni Kenshin, which are a lot of syllables, and like that stuff like that, where it was readily available and just on TV. So I was like, oh, this is rad, but I barely knew what anime was at the time. Right. 
Um, yeah. I had like some manga when I was uh, younger and in my goth junior high days where I was well, like, Well, if you really did, you know that it's called manga, not manga. I, you know, see, that's the problem. That's why I'm a casual fan of this <laughs> shit where I'm like, I don't know, but I have like all these books of yeah. comics. So yeah, I was like super casual with it and know more about Dragon Ball Z than any human should, but mm-hmm. never really got deeper to the point where I'm, I don't know, looking up crazy shows online on weird services to be like, is the new season out? Like, no, I don't really care right, that right. much yeah. about like, it. See, again, I, I don't know if like, um, like I love the movie Howl's Moving Castle. I don't mm. know if that's considered anime, but like probably not. But it's like, you know, that cool art style. I don't know. But what like, about Poyo? Isn't that by the same people? Poyo's adorable. I think it's uh, on Netflix. I'll just send you a video of it and you'll be like, oh, okay. my God, I need to go watch Poyo. It's adorable. I, okay. I think I watched it with like a girlfriend way back when. And it's 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 the most adorable anime movie possible anime ever. OK, um, do it. That's your homework I, after we're done here. I'm going to have a lot of homework. I have a feeling after a lot of this. <laughs> I'm going to try scotch immediately after this. Just go find some ways <laughs> it's still open after this podcast. Yeah, uh, next next question is from X to jump podcast at X to jump podcast. I feel like I just advertised someone's podcast directly yeah, on my you podcast. Sure did. <laughs> that, you know what? Good on him. I didn't realize it until I said it. Uh, he should Lisa. send you some Bitcoin. <laughs> Lisa, are you looking forward to Vanillaware's next game? Well, this is a this is a name. Aegis Rim 13 Sentinels. That sounds like something that I pronounced correctly. Your essay on Odin Sphere is one of my favorite things ever written about games. Oh, that's so nice. That is super sweet. In fact, I had like completely forgotten that I wrote a thing about Odin Sphere, probably because it was one of those super niche articles where yeah. the people who knew the game and loved it read it and then 90% of everybody else like <laughs> nobody else <laughs> read it <laughs> nobody else knew what I was talking about um yeah you know i actually i don't really know anything about it i'm like i'm not i'm definitely not uh as in the gaming world as i used to be i used to know like all the upcoming releases and everything about everything and now i just kind of i like get surprised when something's released and somebody you know, tells me it's good. Like, I didn't really know anything about Fortnite until, like, the other day when I was, like, at my friend's house and they were playing it and I'm like, this game's amazing! Boy, that um, game is, like, more popular <laughs> than anything now, though. Holy shit. Like, it, you see so Roseanne funny. tweeted yes. about it the other day? Like, what the fuck is going on? We need This needs to I be know. stopped. It's crazy, but it's a great game and it's such a great concept. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I'm, I would look forward to anything that, uh, that they did, but I don't really know much about um, that upcoming game. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Odin Sphere is one of the coolest, most beautiful games ever made, and everybody listening should go check it out because it's like, it's, it's on a different level than most games. I think I've they ever did played. an HD version of that too for like. They did. Yep. Yeah. So they that is, like is Odin version. Sphere anime. Is that approaching I anime? Know, I know. I don't know. It's like it's a hand drawn art. Like it's like beautiful Japanese art. Uh, I don't this is going to be a new segment on my podcast called "Is This Anime?" <laughs> is and this we just anime? name random things like "Is This Anime?" <laughs> and Dude, just see it. what people say. It's going to get people so pissed because people really care about anime, and I respect uh, that. But I just don't know like enough it. about it. They like it. That's what I've learned. They like about uninformed internet. people talking about yes. shit they like. No, no, no. What I'm saying is people. Like extreme fans of things, they like getting upset. They like, that's like, true. you know, because that's their cue. You know what I mean? Like, ah, oh, these assholes don't know anything about anime. Let me step in and inform them. You know, Trust that me, people I, love that. 
I used to write reviews for IGN and GameSpot. I know that oh, people love yeah. to get angry at things. Oh, yeah, I used to do a show you say aren't good Top or five. are good that they disagree yep. with. So yep, I used to do a show called Top Five, and everybody that the whole point of my Top Five show was to get people angry. That was the whole point because you will never make a perfect Top Five list about anything. Everybody's always going to chime in and say, "Oh, you forgot this one and this one and this one and this one," and that's what makes the show popular because people got excited about leaving angry comments. It was great. <laughs> the internet sucks sometimes. It's usually oh, okay. But then there's you get to this one corner and you're like, oh, God, everything's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from PS guy at purple shirt guy. And we learned what PS stood for right away. Uh, two questions. Let's start with this one. Uh, what is a game movie that had a big impact on your life? Do you ever go back and play slash watch it again? Um I'll do like a recent one because I definitely have others from like when I was younger. And I think there's kind of that golden age that I always believe between like 12 and 15. And when you play games at that time, they're really influential. Like for me, that was just like developmental stage of my life where certain Final Fantasy games or certain Mm -hmm. platformers really stuck with me. But one more recent-ish one would be Journey because there's something about Journey where I reviewed that for I think it was a smaller site at the time, but uh games don't really get me emotional very often but that game Mm -hmm. is really successful at just dragging you down really really low when you're i'm gonna spoil journey but it's like how old at this point so fuck off everyone who's angry about this like where you're climbing that mountain and it's like snowy and you're you're just at your wits end as this character and you're about to collapse and you do eventually collapse and then you go from that to this really joyous upbeat almost flying sort of scene and i remember um playing that game just and like not realizing my jaw was just like almost on the floor because i just wasn't prepared for it and i was so just roped into what it was doing and um especially with that game where you have this stranger with you that uh you you might have the entire game they're just with you the the entire time you never get to talk to this person you're just chirping at them Mm -hmm. so you get this connection and i remember just like experiencing that with the person and this is like super cheesy but that was one of the only games where i was just like randomly teary-eyed at the end i didn't know why it wasn't even a sad thing it was just this sort of jubilation at the end of it and that game i will you know those games you show off to people who don't really care about games? Like, yep. Journey is high on my list of like, you should see this or you should play this because it's simple. You don't need to do these crazy button combos. You don't need to Hadouken yeah. out of nowhere. It's just go really point A to point B. And it really is one of those, speaking of mood changers, Journey is one of those games for me. Yeah, mine's actually very similar. I would have to say uh, Shadow of the Colossus. I mean, mm, yep. by far, that's just a different experience than God, speaking of emotional games, video games. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it, that's that's stuck with me for years, and I still think about it. You know what I mean? I think about the like, you know, killing these you know, these huge monsters and just everything about that game, you know, with your horse and how you run and run, and run you know, just everything about yeah. how big that world felt. I mean, they, you know, there's some of these games where, yeah, these, you know, sandbox games and the, these worlds they create are so massive, but usually it doesn't feel like that because you're going from like town to town to town. But in, you know, Shadow of the Colossus, it's just wilderness and flat and nothing for so long that it just kind of gives you this lonely feeling that you don't get with a lot of other games, except for like Journey. That's a great, you know, both of these games I think are kind of similar. Um, but yeah, that's definitely my my pick. The two things about Shadow of the Colossus, too, is like you mentioned first that 
there are games that are way bigger than that now because technology and game design is advanced where open world games are massive and the fact that 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 the world is mostly barren in shadow of the classes but it felt so real and lived in and like it could be a place that it didn't matter and it almost maybe falsely gave you the sense that this place is almost endless and it it wasn't but it felt like it's time totally ahead of its time genius and in, in like the second thing that really stands out is I, I remember playing that the first time when it came out and you're just so used to that dynamic of everything you fight in a video game is bad and you yeah. don't really think about that otherwise. Like I'm killing this because it's trying to kill me yes. or it has bad intentions. I'm trying to save someone. And it's like literally I remember going like halfway through that game and then starting to have that conversation with myself of like, hold on a minute. What were it these things doing before? It really I, does. I, it this dude's just chilling. This thing's adorable and it's just walking around and I'm for no reason, like there's a reason, but it's the reason you're trying to save this love of yours is unrelated to whatever the fuck. The, but this monster could be grazing over here and you're like, dude, I need to kill you and I'm not sorry about it. And it's one of the few early games that kind of flips that and makes you think like, oh, maybe... I'm the bad guy in this case. Maybe I'm the selfish one in this case. And that's super ahead of its time. And yeah. I need to buy the the remaster of that because it looks incredible. Yeah, I, it's like, I mean, it's it's art. It changes the way you look at things. And it's, even though it did it in a very like subtle way, it was incredibly impactful. It's so crazy that we could call a game with giant monsters subtle, but it's totally subtle. It is. In it so many so, ways, yeah. but it's like fucking <laughs> it really the is. giantest of giant monsters. We are climbing them and grabbing onto their fur and just mm-hmm. poking them with a stick. Uh, second question from PS Guy is, are you a big fan of the PS Vita? What are your thoughts on the system, Lisa? I, I don't really have thoughts. <laughs> That's fine. I, I, th- I think Sorry. a lot of people probably fall into the I don't have thoughts with it. I got it for like, it's like my 20 first birthday or 22nd uh, okay. birthday something yeah. like that when my family all pitched in and got me a vita and i was like the most Aww. happy person in the world because it was like it looked first off it's like a really beautiful looking handheld right. um yeah. it kind of just became this hey here's every indie game you've ever wanted on this instead of actual vita games so i i don't really play it anymore but in the moment when i was younger i always remember thinking like wouldn't it be awesome to have an actual home console you can carry around that looked yeah good and it, it did live up to that but then no one really cared because everyone's like mm-hmm. fucking i got fruit ninja god damn right. it like <laughs> let me let me play this i don't need an actual video game console anymore yeah. so uh r.i.p vita there will not be a vita 2 i'm not gonna say mark my words because i don't have inside info or anything like that mm. but i don't think people want that anymore um yeah. this there's two questions here this is from Hasib at Hasib125. Uh, first one, <laughs> I like this. I'm going to say this is mostly directed at you. Okay. Lisa, how do you deal with the haters? Uh, how do I deal with the haters? <laughs> I'm not saying you uh, inherently have more, like, you, you are more hateable. I just assume because people know you more, you probably have more haters. Oh, no, I definitely have haters. Absolutely. Um, everybody, everybody, every, if you're on the internet, people hate you. Like, that's all there is to it. It just doesn't, you know. I'm lovable. I don't want to hear that. I, I don't believe that. No. Definitely, people hate you. For, I can oh, see god that. damn yeah, it! Definitely. I was flying um, so high. <laughs> no, I just um, I don't read YouTube comments, even Smart. though I've kind of been breaking that rule lately. Um, just with my last couple videos, I just decided to kind of go in the comments like early on, like the first couple hours I post it. I don't go like 
late. You know what I mean? Like mm. I get in there, I I thank a couple people who have commented and watched it, and then I get out because uh, you know YouTube's like a horrible cesspool, and no one should go there. Um, but uh, <laughs> don't watch any of Lisa's videos <laughs> on YouTube because that that fucking it's a hellhole. <laughs> it's don't subscribe, run away, delete everything. No, um, I. Uh, you know, it's I just it, you have to ignore them because I think if you're passionate and creative and uh, you care about what you're doing on the Internet, which I do, like I care about everything I post and every video I make, I put way too much time and editing into it because I want to be proud of it. Even if it's like, you know, me getting drunk and doing something stupid, I still want it to be well edited, however weird yeah. that is. You know what I mean? Like, I still want it to You don't edit be... it drunk. You just record it drunk. <laughs> exactly. I still want to deliver a good product. And uh, I think it's so easy to get in that mode where you, you have you know, a a hundred comments, 99 of them are super nice. And one of them is really mean. And you just get fixated on that one. And then if you, if you reply to that guy and you get all like revenge, like I'm going to put this guy in his place and blah, blah, blah. Then you're ignoring the 99 people who reached out to compliment you. And they're way more important than the one who just wants to piss you off. So I just completely ignore it because they don't deserve my attention and internet friendship. Whereas (laughs) the people who I talk to on a regular basis on Twitter and who comment positively, like I try to always reply and like, you know, say like, Hey, thanks. I really genuinely do appreciate you watching and liking anything I do because I do care about, you know, what I put out there. So I just completely ignore it. Yeah. I, uh, the first podcast I had that got popular and started like blowing up is the wrong term, but it got bigger than any of the other ones. I remember, getting a whole bunch of Reddit comments. And like you said, the majority of them were super positive and nice. And there was one where someone was like, "Ah, this dude sounds nervous all the time during these podcasts. (laughs) And at this moment of like, Nervous? Like, what are you oh, talking it eats about? At you. Oh, it eats oh my you. god! The fact, I that, you're, stop the fact that you're talking about it, about it right now, that, it still bugs you. It's still it's a fucking year and a half ago, and I still remember it. And I still yes. remember it. And I remember reading that and being like, "I'm not though," and like it, it like stuck with me. And right. it's that stuff. But it's sad because I bet from that same that same group of comments, you couldn't recall verbatim a nice one. Not even close. Recall, yeah. But you could tell me that one verbatim, and it's so oh, 100%. sad because and like, the nice ones deserve your attention. You know. It's it's and it's funny because the only semi devil's advocate I can give to the don't pay attention to those people kind of perspective is one thing that's really that really helped me when I was especially when I was writing consistently for GameSpot I was doing like a review every week for them so I would get a lot of feedback there were some reviews if I would review a bigger sports game like Madden you'd get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments mm-hmm. and there's this there's this cool thing that happens every once in a while where that asshole in the comments who's complaining about stuff or your opinions on something, if you actually just address them directly and not like a yelling at them back, but explain like, here's why I thought this, or here's why this happened, or here's why there's no video review, or here's why the review took two days past the embargo. Very often those people will super settle down, have a moment of, oh man, people are actually reading this. Like the person who wrote this review, who I don't know, is actually talking to me like a human and they immediately... They don't back down and leave. They'll actually talk to you. And I've had so many instances where people go from being angry anonymous commenters to actual humans who want to have a discussion with you. But and see, I think yeah, I'm not sure I would consider that person a hater. The the haters are to me are the ones who are just blatantly mean for no reason and trying to get a rise out of you and just being mean for the sake of mean. You know what I mean? That's, that's like who true. I consider a hater. If somebody has like negative thoughts or constructive criticism or like you can tell they're an intelligent human they're just 
sad all the time you know what I mean <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then like I'll address them and I like you know and then sometimes I'll get snarky every once in a while on Facebook if I think it's like a light-hearted type of snark but like yeah I mean yeah stuff like that you just gotta read read people kind of even though it's hard to do uh, with text on the internet but you just kind of gotta like if it's a if it's going to turn into a toxic situation you just don't even touch it you know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's maybe that's the difference between there's people who are negative and then back down, and the haters are the ones who even when you talk to them, they're like, "Well, still fuck you." Like Hater I'm still troll. Non- yeah, yeah. I guess yeah, like yeah. a troll maybe is even a better word than a hater on this. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah. The the actual way to deal with haters is just say fuck the haters and don't give yep. them attention because they're not exactly. worth your time. Um, this is the second question by Hasib, which is, what is the worst game you've ever played? And my answer for this actually isn't the worst game I've ever played, but I feel like I've complained about this either into the void or on Twitter, <laughs> which is essentially the same thing. Um, I On the Nintendo 64, there was a platformer called Glover. And Glover was this 3D platformer similar to like a Mario Banjo-Kazooie style, except yeah. you're a fucking glove. And you always have to have this bouncy ball with you everywhere. And essentially the entire game is you just escorting this ball from like one side of the map to the other. And the reason that idea sucks is because no one likes to escort things that don't fight back in video games. That's the worst part of video games. The entire game is that and any sort of sharp (laughs) object that like hits it suddenly it's even if you still have full health, you lose the mission. And that game was one of the only games that I've never a lot of games you stop playing because you run out of time or you lose interest. I could not beat that game. And speaking about before, where like that one comment sticks with me, Glover sticks with me. Like fucking, like <laughs> it just sticks with me since I was like eight years old. And I hate Glover. And if anyone who developed is <laughs> listening to me, you just, I don't like you very much. I'm sorry. <laughs> and yeah, I don't think it's the worst game I've ever played. There's actually value to it. But goddamn, fuck Glover. That's my Dude, opinion. What's the worst fucking, game you've played? Uh, Quest 64. Oh my god, yes, I I hate that game so much. Oh, it's so bad. (laughs) It's so terrible. And I wanted it to be good. And I was stuck in a situation where I was at my grandma's house and I had nothing to do. And it was the only game she had for the for N64 and so like I was kind of forced to play it and it looked so <laughs> jovial and, and oh it's you know cartoony oh this is gonna be great so I was like kind of forced to play it because I had nothing else to do and it's just the worst epic game ever god it's so bad it's so so bad I love the <laughs> the genre of game that I think you hit on right there are games that you want to be good but just aren't good uh, where you yeah. keep giving them chances and you can be like oh well this this side of it's pretty okay but like in reality like oh this is the worst shit I wasted it's money that girlfriend you keep going back to you, you know, uh, it's bad. the worst and yeah oh. that's quest 64 is a bad video game pain. and i wish it was a good video game it and I, me pain. it's bad we oh. both named nintendo 64 games i just want to say <laughs> on the record that i really much enjoy the nintendo 64 even though the controller is bad um i but- think n64 had the biggest range of games when it comes to like amazing and absolutely yeah, really terrible you know? high ceiling but low floor like you oh, got yeah. to some real bullshit but then it's like hey by the way ocarina of time and uh, like, oh is, man that is a the, range yeah. oh superman 64 let's play that like you know that's one of the good just, ones right the, that's right no, up there I'm saying, the, that's what i'm saying is like you know you have these amazing ones and then you have you know oh superman 64 is all we're also releasing you know that game for this so console. And you're crazy. like, what? How can yeah, this the range game on be there, so you're amazing? Right. And that Super might be, be so bad. <laughs> that might be the most variance in a console software what? of all time, which is hilarious. What a have you have you picked up an N sixty four controller in the last year or so? Because it Oh yeah. 
it's almost I, impossible to use. Oh, the the weird prongs in it. Yeah, no. It's <laughs> prongs. It's it's so gross looking. I don't know. There's really something about is. it that's like it gets weirder the older you get. We're like this shouldn't have ever sure existed. Oh, um, sure this does. comes from Brent Mukai at Brent Mukai. Brent! Uh, I'm, I'm gonna like go. Him. Do you know he's who Brent. Brent is? Yeah, he's amazing. Oh, he's did I say the last name right? You should look him up online. He's so great. I think. Okay. Yeah, I think it is. Well, then I'm going to assume this one's mostly for you, and I think it makes more sense for you. Uh, who are or were your comedy influences, comma, Lisa? I added that part. So the reason I got into comedy is because growing up, uh, my parents always had old comedy movies on. So just my whole childhood, I was watching, you know, you know, it's a mad, 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 mad world. And, mm. you know, all these like these classic comedies with you know Marilyn Monroe and Lucille Ball and you know all these like classic comedians and um uh I was obsessed with the Carol Burnett show and that seems like something that like a 70-year-old woman should say and not you know, a 30-year-old <laughs> woman but I just I loved it and uh you know Carol Burnett's style of comedy how she was just like never afraid to make a fool of herself and uh you know obviously that was like you know the precursor to like you know, all that type shows, you know, that's what Carol Burnett's show was. It was just sketch comedy. And she was, you know, five different characters every single night. And that's what I ended up doing on all that is I was, you know, every episode of all that I was, you know, minimum, you know, three, three characters. I had to put on different wigs and different costumes, just become all these different people is basically the theater of television is kind of how I describe um, all that. I kind of got the, the best of both worlds. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, uh, so definitely Carol Burnett and then, um, you know, like, uh, Mickey Rooney and Jonathan Winters and, uh, um, yeah, those, those classic, classic comedians definitely have, uh, like shaped my life in a very strange way. And in fact, um, so Buddy Hackett was, um, a huge person I looked up to. Um, growing up, and I did an impression of him for my all that audition. Oh, I man. put, uh, I put like um, marshmallows in my cheeks to like <laughs> kind of give me that like kind of sound. And uh, I did a monologue of his from "It's Mad, 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 Mad World," and uh, I'm sure the producers were just like, "What? <laughs> like, why? How does this twelve year old know Buddy Hackett?" But I did. Oh it wasn't, my god. Like, it wasn't something that my parents like pushed on me or anything. I just I genuinely loved, you know, Jerry Lewis, like all these old uh, all these old comedians. And uh, the the cool thing is that they ended up bringing Buddy Hackett on to all that as a guest star. And pretty much they just did it for me because, Aww, you, know, they, you know, the kids watching uh, have absolutely no idea. And in this in the same sketch, they also brought Carol Channing in. So Buddy Hackett and Carol Channing in this same it was a cold open for one of the um, all that episodes. And I was just in heaven. I was like more starstruck to work with those two than I was with, you know, Britney Spears and Usher and Justin Timberlake. You know, they, they were yeah. obviously cool. But man, these are people I, I grew up with. I looked up to. And uh, uh, Buddy Hackett, actually, I think he died a couple um, like obviously a couple years after he was on, you know, all that. And uh, it was just so cool that I got to meet him and work with him. So, yep. Yeah. Those, those moments. When it comes uh, to that. The, I do like how you were like 40 by the time you were 12. That's hilarious. Right, but, uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> it, it's those moments are always cool where those, there's those people who maybe your, you know, your mom or your friends don't really know that much. But to you, like you said, this person is more exciting for you to meet than Britney Spears or Justin Timberlake because it's the totally. person who you've looked up to in your career or something like that where 
every time I will go to E3, you'll see that person where you're like, this means more to me than beating The Rock or something yeah. like that, who everyone knows. Or even on this podcast, I've had people where I'm like, I can't believe this person's actually going to talk to me, where like my mom's not going to be excited about this. My brother might not really know. But for me, I'm like, I've been reading your stuff since I was 12. Like I modeled yeah. my, my career after you. And you have these moments where you're trying to keep that in. But yeah, that's that's super cool. I've never really yeah. done a lot of comedy I, I did improv when i was younger and i did mm-hmm. theater when i was growing up where there's a lot of situations where i had to at least attempt to be funny and for me um someone like mitch hedberg who even if he wasn't oh, totally. saying something that was inherently funny the way he was presenting it was interesting and funny like there's definitely yeah. jokes where you're like if anyone else in the world said that it wouldn't be funny but because you said delivery. it All it's funny one thousand yeah. percent and i think there's a lot of stuff like that where when i was doing improv or even just improving in actual theater work that wasn't supposed to be improv but like you're at the time the people who were uh, conducting it or like organizing it would allow me to do that you just think i think if i say this it works because of the situation i'm in or the character Mm -hmm. i'm playing and that's the kind of stuff that i still love great you know comedy and great writing but sometimes the delivery is more important and that's the kind of stuff i look at definitely yeah um let's do oh i like this one this one is from douglas moore at doug m N Z, uh, what are the must see or do things in your hometown state if someone was visiting from another country? Hashtag Murica 2018 trip. <laughs> um, <laughs> the reason I want to do this one is to get mine out of the way immediately because I don't have one. So my hometown was literally called Townville. Oh like my God. straight up like Powderpuff Girls. Townsville but from Powerpuff Girls? It's, oh my God. it's, it's that, the but the non plural version of it. It's <laughs> there's no there's no stoplights. There's two stop signs. Um, There's like, there was a gas station, but it shut down because no one goes through Townville. Like I grew up in a, in a trailer with five other people, a two bedroom trailer with five other people in a place that barely exists. You're a real rags to riches story over here. (laughs) It's riches is a great way to put it. Well, it's it's funny. Like if someone was ever like rags to Bitcoin story. Like becoming the most famous person to come from Townville is not would not be an accomplishment. I don't think I'm there yet. There's probably someone else who's like a math teacher in Arizona that's more famous than me. But like, it's it it was this, this tiny. No one would ever visit this place ever. That now that I moved to Jacksonville and I literally have people at work are like, I don't think where you went exists, and I think you're some weird spy or something like that because Townville sounds fake real. as fuck. Yeah, that's, it's that's called. It's like real. oh, this is a city village, my great hometown right. where I live with real humans. Like it doesn't sound real at all. So like, in I terms lived of on like Road Street, <laughs> and I lived in a home house, <laughs> Vanderhoof Lane. Like it's it just sounds so fucking stupid. Um, last thing about here's the only thing you need to know about Townville. If you ever go there, you go to my dirt road in my trailer court, and you find this red sign in the front that literally says "No dogs," and underneath it in small print, "Don't even think about it," which obviously makes you realize that someone fucking tried. And they're like, what? no dogs. Let's find out, motherfucker. And the oh landlord's like, no, no, no. Don't even think about it. So I, when I moved, I almost stole that sign. But we could <laughs> fucking not get it out of the dirt. And we were not going to bring shovels. Where I was like, it's not worth it. So mm-hmm. that is um, a visit Townville person who's about to travel to America. No, um, no, don't do that to them. Don't it's great. There's, there's, there. a, there's a restaurant no, called Family Ties no. where you can get ice cream that tastes like shit. Um, and I, that's, there's a person who used to cut my hair there. She's probably still there. If you need a haircut, I don't, that's about it. That's about it. How about you, Lisa? Okay. Never hiring you to be like my tour guide ever. What do you, okay. All right. No. <laughs> that's okay, fine. I live in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So, uh, obviously 
Um, there's a million things to do, but it's all the obvious stuff. You know, it's like, oh, go to the Bellagio and see the fountains and go to the, you know, Eiffel Tower and, you know, see the half-naked ladies dancing around. Whatever. Um, go on. So I think if you go to Vegas, you got to go to the Pinball Hall of Fame. And no one really knows about it, but it's so awesome. It's just a big, giant warehouse uh, off the strip, maybe like two miles off the strip, maybe less. I don't know. It's pretty close to the strip, actually. And um, you just, uh, it's free to get in, and you just bring your own quarters, and there's just rows and rows and rows of every pinball machine to ever exist from the very first ones ever made to, you know, super modern ones, plus uh, arcade games. And, uh, and it, yeah, you just bring your own quarters, and it costs like two quarters to play each one, and that's like an entire afternoon you can spend playing pinball games and you know you don't even spend that much money you know what i mean like everything in vegas is so awesome. expensive that whenever friends come into town who are broke i'm just like let's go to the pinball museum because it's gonna be awesome that sounds <laughs> and so it'll cool. cost us like 20 dollars for hours and hours of enjoyment so uh you know unless you suck and then it'll cost you more but uh it's so great you gotta if you're going to vegas go to the pinball hall of fame i highly recommend it I've only been to Vegas once. It was for a business trip, and it was just I didn't didn't really get that too much. Like he went to the strip, and my God, is it hot there? I live in Florida, and I was like, I'm I can be totally fine with this shit. It's not gonna be that hot. It was like sticking your head in an oven, but your entire it's body a dry at all times. Heat. Oh, it's but a it still sucks. Yeah, it's it sucks. still so bad. Like the entire time, I'm like, this is why am I here? This seems terrible. But I have a um like best friend of mine from back home who just moved to vegas to do doctor shit he's doing a nice. presidency there so now i want to go to this place that's see look at you with your good advice it's so much better see, than me yeah. saying you can get shitty ice cream at family ties <laughs> in townville right next to my trailer like this is yeah listen to me don't listen to him look it, 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 give townville a try you gotta just just it could be fun <laughs> you could see where i went to high school it, it's okay don't no, go all right you can you can say hi to my mom she still lives no. in townville oh, oh. Oh, She's a very nice lady. This comes from Charlie at Balrog Fan BP, who asked spicy nacho or cool ranch. And then he ends it with hashtag cool ranch nation. So I think I know where his allegiances lie. Yeah, um, I just dissed cool ranch Doritos hardcore in my latest video. So well, it I've looks been getting like we know lots your of angry people telling me. Uh, let me well, hear your, saying, um, your, your pitch against cool ranch. No, I was saying if you like cool ranch Doritos, you need to go back to high school because you got to, you know, up that flavor game. Cause I that's think you're just, correct. It's, no, it's not good. So spicy nacho is totally the way to go. 1000%. I also, when I was in, let's say, high school and I was eating Cool Ranch Doritos, I had enough of them where initially it's like, oh, this is good. And then you have too many Cool Ranch Doritos. And you're like, no, thank you anymore. And first off, spice, spicy nacho was like the best combo possible because it has the perfect right. amount of spice but still tastes good. It's not like overwhelming spice that doesn't. Did you do a, a hot pepper challenge, by the way? I did. <laughs> I was about to say, I was like, I, for some reason that just immediately hit me. Was are you a spicy food person? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not at all. I had tears. I was crying. Has that horrible. upped your tolerance, though? Are you able to, like, eat more no! spicy stuff? Because of the one episode I did of Hot Pepper Gaming. I don't know. Maybe it's just, like, <laughs> trial by fire. You just go to the deep end right away. You almost drown, and now you can swim. Yes, it burned off all of my taste buds, and now I can eat whatever I want. That's what I'm saying. It's Well, you, you could definitely eat whatever you want, but it doesn't taste like anything. <laughs> like, this steak oh, is incredible that I'm just not tasting right now. That was no. so fun, but such a miserable day because I drove back. I was in L.A. Uh, to do a bunch of business stuff. And then I did that episode before I drove back to Vegas. And it was literally like the last thing I did before I got in the car and drove three and a half hours to get home. And so I just had that burning 
in my mouth <laughs> as I was driving. And you can't drink too much because then you have to stop every 10 minutes. So Yeah, uh, it, it it's was... really a day ruiner when you go that route. It's something I, I, would t- I would totally do. That show's not happening anymore. But if right, someone – have you seen like Hot Ones, which they do with like yeah. – actual chicken wings is which it, it's never as much as like a direct they all pepper, ripped but... off the idea of hot pepper yeah, you cake. should don't. the original one it was a great series go watch it i did uh i reviewed firewatch on uh very oh it's a great game too <laughs> it was an awesome game that's yeah. one of my favorite games from that year um Turt I, Reynolds. Like, <laughs> I like this one and it's directly for you this is from uh joseph noop at noop dog and he wants to know Having come up as a child actor, do you think kids programming or TV shows have changed in any significant way, whether it's behind the scenes or on camera? So I I know you haven't done any kids shows recently, but have you kind of noticed a change maybe compared to when you were growing up and working on them? I have a very strong opinion about this. Oh, man, we hit a nerve. I'm excited about this. I did do a good one. Okay. Oh, we found it. Uh, So here's my Biggest problem with kids' TV these days. This is, this is, uh, you're about feel... to go on what sounds like a super old lady rant, by the way. Sorry, <laughs> oh, keep yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. I feel like back in the day. <laughs> wow, it got worse. <laughs> okay, back in my day. Oh. Uh, yeah, okay, you know, when we used to watch, uh, you know, Snake and, you know, the, the golden age of Cartoon Network with like Ed and Nettie and Power That's the show and... I was immediately going to bring up. So all of these, so we had those cartoons, we had, you know, Nickelodeon had, you know, all that, that was when like Rugrats was on, and, you know, Hey Arnold was on, and uh, I feel like a lot of these shows for kids were focused on uh, having fun and having daily adventures and, you know, doing quirky things and, uh, you know, surviving the summer and surviving school, and it was just like, normal, average, everyday kid stuff that you do in your neighborhood, you know, we could all really relate to. And I feel like starting with Hannah Montana, every kid's show is about you got to be famous or you're nothing. Every kid's show is focused on you have to become a rock star. You have to become a singer. You have to become a, you know, a social media influencer. Like every show, like all these live action shows are like teaching girls that unless you're a pop star, you're worthless. And I can't stand that. God, it just makes me so angry when I watch these. And, uh, you know, it's obviously that's what makes money and that's what's popular and that's whatever what the kids want whatever but i think it's really unhealthy and it's um it's like kind of sad but um yeah so that's kind of my opinion on that this is a thinking way into the future kind of thing i'm not that far into the future for your child would you let them watch a lot of the tv that's on now are you one of are you gonna be one of those moms who's like stay away from this mind-numbing programming or would you be like whatever i think i'm gonna be the mom that says Oh, you like that shit? Let me show you something a way better. And then Please I'll turn say on shit like to your child like this. <laughs> you uh, fucker. I'm not just a regular mom, taste. I'm a cool mom. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, but seriously, cool like mom. I feel like that's kind of like what my parents did. I feel like if, you know, that's why they introduced me to like, you know, Carol Burnett show and like old Saturday Night Live and, you know, the, you know, I watched uh, the, all the old Simpsons episodes with, with my dad. You know, it's like these awesome comedy shows that are you know, they're gold, like comedy gold. And yeah. so I missed out on a lot of dumb shows as a kid because I was watching these classic comedies. And I feel like I can kind of do that, you know, like uh, with my kid. Like, you know, I think the original, all that 
shows, like the, all that episodes way before I was ever on it are so funny, you know, and like the key, the old Keenan and Kel episodes are so funny. And Hey Arnold is like amazing. And Rocco's Modern Life, like all these like older shows. Rocco's coming back. I know. But like these shows that like don't just focus on like social media and being a pop star. Like I feel yeah. like I can, I'm not going to take things away. I'm going to show her better stuff. Yeah, and yeah. It's all, like like you said, yeah. it's just like if your entire day is social media or that like teen drama, and then you go home and the TV you watch is all about social media and teen drama right. and trying to be famous. Like, aren't you just kind of not expanding your brain in any way possible? Not, I'm not saying that cat dog is going to make you Einstein, but it at least can make you think differently. <laughs> like, how the fuck does cat dog work? Where does it pee from? Can right. we like please solve that? Like I know it's a weird thing where like if one brushes their teeth, it actually affects the other's teeth. So I'm just saying I want to know a lot more about the anatomy well, it's just of cat funny dog. It's like we didn't even question it. Like cat dog came on, and we're like okay, and we just rolled with it. Yeah. And now if that show debuted, it would be all over the internet. Everybody would be talking about it. there'd be a thousand memes. Like you know, it'd be like the biggest thing ever. But like back then, we didn't even question it. It was just a silly, you know, silly cartoon show. The future rolled sucks. With, rolled with the punches. Yeah. Yeah. Everything sucks. Not to get negative, but um. Okay. Okay, let's do two more because I don't want to keep you too much longer. There's there is an email from someone named Daniel who I promise I will get to this in another mailbag episode, Daniel, because it's very long. But we'll get to that one at a different time. This is from Reddit. This is from Mega Apple. Great name. Uh, this is one I think about a lot. How different is playing, experiencing games been in the past, say, early PS2 generation where we only relied on magazines and TV uh, compared to now where there's endless amounts of information, opinions, previews, videos, all coming from media. So basically the question is mainly about how crazy is it that you remember back in the day? Now I sound like yeah. the old person. Before where you, walkthroughs, yeah. yeah. Well, you'd, you'd like look at a Game Informer uh, preview or like an EGM or something like that. And you're mm-hmm. just staring intently at these screenshots. Like, I wonder what that plays like. And now you see someone playing the game like months before it comes out. He has one little extra thing. Also, to Lisa, your video, The Exorcist, is one of my all-time favorite YouTube videos. <laughs> no joke. It was like the hidden movie maker genius inside you suddenly awoke. It took a turn here. Can I address that before? 100%. You do that one first. Okay. (laughs) Oh, this made my night. Oh, I just want to hug this person. (laughs) So me and my cousin Lauren just used to make stupid videos growing up. And we did one called The Exorcist, but it was like you're exercising. He spelled it correctly, too. It was very impressive. Like one, two, three, four, you know, like doing exercises to exercise the demon. And uh, she somehow acquired this video after years and years and years of forgetting it ever existed she mails it to me and i upload it to my youtube channel saying nothing on halloween (laughs) so it's halloween i upload the video i say nothing i respond to no one i have all these people just like what is this like why is this what i had so many people tweeting at me and i just didn't say a word this is the first time i have addressed it because <laughs> i'm like this is so funny that no one has any idea what this is oh it's just a stupid dumb video That's i made great. when i was a kid and you should go watch it because it's just it's glorious oh i love that person so man much. This, what's this, their name again them. what's their name uh this person's name is mega apple on mega Reddit. apple you're my favorite it's a great name That's awesome all right I, we can go I back need to, to watch this video question. now um oh, yeah and like i guess like the video game thing mainly it's it is super crazy because I still try to 
to a certain extent, not watch so much on a game before I play it because you don't want to get... You could really just see everything about a video game before you play it and then it's not as magical, quote-unquote magical anymore because there was the thing where, like, you basically have a magnifying glass to a screenshot and you're like, I bet if you press X, this person jumps. But you have no idea until you actually, like, see someone playing it in a video and now it's just full playthroughs nearly before the embargo mm-hmm. even left so it's it's kind of crazy and it's one of those things maybe you take for granted now that like yeah. you don't think about the fact that there's just endless media on a video game and there is something um we talked about shadow of the colossus earlier and with the last guardian they didn't show too much of that before right. it came out and i appreciated that because it's like yeah. i just kind of want to experience it and maybe because video games are $60, you kind of want to know what you're getting into. But part of me is like, fuck it. If I trust someone, I see good reviews, then I will just go all in on a game and try not to spoil myself. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's, I mean, it's the same with, uh, you know, it's it's kind of that pro and con to even having access to reviews. It's like you think about the world before Rotten Tomatoes and you saw a movie trailer and you're like, I personally think that looks cool. I'm going to see it. Whereas now you wait to hear you know, how the reviews are, you wait to yeah. see what your friends think, you wait to see what all the articles are, you know, you you kind of, you don't see a movie because people shit on it, whereas yeah. that didn't used to be the case. It used to be like, you, you had no idea that people were shitting on it, so you went to see it anyway, and then if you personally liked it, great, you know what I mean? Like, you're allowed to like things that other people don't. And you experience everything on Twitter, too, with people, where, like, right, they're watching, yeah. like, a trailer or a press conference or even, like, a new TV episode, like, I really like this. You see everyone online being like, this sucks. You're like, oh, maybe it sucks. I don't know. I know, it kind of, and I, I even fall in that, into that trap. Like, I'll be really excited about a game or a movie, and then I'll see it's terrible, you know, Metacritic score, Rotten Tomato score, and then I'll just be like, oh, I guess I'm not gonna play that, and I completely walk away, and I don't even think about it and that's terrible because maybe that game would have been a perfect Lisa game you know like maybe I would have loved it even though everybody else hates it and uh, you know I I hate that I've fallen into that trap because uh, you know I remember you know I'm a huge reader too like I love reading and uh, I, I still I still try to hold on to going to the bookstore and buying a book based on what it says on the back and what the cover looks like. You know what I mean? Like, I I still kind of hold on to that because it's fun. I don't care if people hate it. Like, it's my journey that I'm going to go on and maybe it's perfect for me. So, yeah, you know, it's 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 weird that the world we live in, it's, you know, both good and bad and that kind of stuff. But counterpoint the the cover of Glover looked really good. That game fucking (laughs) sucks. It's really bad. You fucking you get every time that ball pops, you want to just throw. That fucking N64 out the window. Let's make this the last question right here. This is from Reddit user Quality Controller. Uh, I like this one. I think it works with both of us. He says, have you ever been surprised by an interviewee in terms of them either exceeding your expectations or disappointing you with their attitude opinions? I'm going to take the positive spin on this. And then you've talked to UFC fighters and people in games all a whole bunch. Yeah. So you should have a lot of answers to this too. But let's mostly lean on the positive side because I want people to come on my podcast in the future oh, and know totally. that I won't shit talk them. Um, this is a recent one who I feel like I've now overpraised him. And if he listens to all his podcasts, he'd be like, this dude is obsessed with me. I talked to uh, Abu Bakr Salim, who did the voice for uh, the main character of Assassin's Creed Origins, Bayek. And I had no idea about him before. Um, he had been on, he did like an episode of Black Mirror and he's done some other British TV shows recently, but someone just suggested like, you should talk to Abu sometime. I'm like, "Eh, sure. If he wants to, like, I would love that. And we connected over Twitter and I had one of the most like smile on my face, laughing the entire time, like this one, uh, podcast that I've done in a long, long time. And he was just like one of the most genuinely 
interesting down-to-earth people and immediately after i was like i want you in every video game ever like you are he, he assassin's Creed was his first game you can just tell in his voice that he fell in love with this and like listening to someone who just found their passion and obviously just found their passion was like energizing for me and it was i would hope energizing everyone who listens so he just stood out ever since i talked to him as someone who i'm like that was incredible and you i didn't know what to expect going in and then coming out i'm like can we can you be my new co-host every single week this is awesome this is so good so he's someone who absolutely stands out for me you know i'm i'm trying to think of like a really good example of like somebody i've you know like like somebody I interviewed or somebody I talked to. And for some reason, I don't know why this stands out, but uh, it wasn't even an interview, but I kind of treated it like an interview because I was kind of like starstruck a little bit. Um, but uh, Elvira. <laughs> oh, wow. So I was at uh, like kind of an intimate party and uh, her name is Cassandra Peterson. And uh, she was there and I, I had a bunch of people tell me that like I looked like her because she's like this pale redhead, you know, tall, <laughs> you know, she I was yeah. like, you look like a young Cassandra Peterson. And uh, so she was there um, at the uh, at the party. And uh, I decided to like, you know, stealthily like saunter up and be like, I'm going to start a conversation with Elvira, and, like see where this goes, because she's so awesome. And uh, she is just like this incredibly intelligent, fascinating human being. And uh, I know this doesn't really count as like a, an interview, but you know, oh, it it's totally counts. A conversation, but like she told me about, you know, her history as uh, you know, she used to be like a showgirl in Las Vegas at, uh, at the Sands, I believe. And, you know, the days of Frank Sinatra and like, you know, the whole, you know, Rat Pack vibe. And she was like telling us like old Vegas stories. And she's just like this, fascinating human and it was completely unexpected i don't know what i was expecting but like i that was just somebody i didn't you know it, it just turned into like you know me you know those little kids in the lord of the rings who are listening to bilbo tell all the stories uh -huh. and they have their eyes are big that was me like talking to elvira because <laughs> she's awesome and uh i don't know why that's the only thing that really uh like stands out as being um really like unexpected you know, cool people. So I love those moments though, where it's unexpected or even if in the back of your mind, like, I hope this person's cool because I've looked up to them for a while. Or I appreciate oh, their work. You and you just when you meet your don't heroes, yeah. I know. <laughs> and I've been very fortunate in this podcast where a lot of people I've talked to, I've considered like heroes to me and none of them yeah. have been like assholes. I really don't have any really terrible stories from this podcast in particular. I probably had like games media interviews i've done where i'm like that dude is a dick but like during this podcast i've never had any please end this interview right now like oh, i've never had awesome. any of those moments yeah which is like fortunate and cool and says a lot about the people who are in this industry that like they're mostly who either who you expect they are or even cooler who that's, than that's you think cool. so well, you like lisa foils even cooler <laughs> than who you expect she is well, you know, but you gotta give yourself a little credit too, though, because you know you're like really easy to talk to. You know what I mean? Like, I've definitely been on some podcasts where it's like it's kind of hard to like get a conversation started. You know, it doesn't just feel like I'm just hanging out with you, like drinking beers. Which ah, oh, I forgot to drink my beer. That's I know. Like, yeah, yeah we'll have to do another one. Let's just re-record the entire thing. Well, like it's yeah. it's definitely because the weird because a lot of podcasts it's just you're meeting someone for the first time seconds before you start recording, and you're yeah. like, well, we need to build chemistry in like two minutes. So how yeah. do how you want to do street, that for sure yeah yeah and it gets really weird and I, i've been invited to somewhere a little bit into it i'm like 
oh, this is going to be, this is going to be a thing, huh? Like I'm going to have to, I'm going to carry some of this weight, right? You're not going to like yeah. really set me up for this stuff. And totally. it, yeah, it's, it, it, you know, I've definitely had moments where I've probably sucked at this and, you know, I've had people who are much better than me at it, who carry the load. And, but over time, I think. I'm a I think terrible you... interviewer. I'm <laughs> like, I cannot interview people. I actively like tell the UFC and people, it was like, please, please don't make me do it. Like I, <laughs> I can be interviewed all day. I can't think of questions. I could be standing in front of Conor McGregor and have a thousand questions in my mind and just draw blanks. I, I swear, like it's it's not a talent that I have naturally. It, <laughs> it's it's it a hard, really hard for thing me. that seems easy so until you actually hard. start doing it and you start like, wait, I just had a question. How do I build off of this? And you know, you're an MMA. Yes. Like Ariel Hawani is someone who I not gonna say model myself after, but Dude, really respect who does MMA. So good at it. He's it, it's it's incredible the way he does it, and I think. The best interviewers are the ones where you both don't fully notice them because you're really noticing the person they're talking to, right. but you miss yeah. them when it's not them talking. When it's like yeah. someone else interviewing, you're like, oh, I wish this was Ariel doing this right now. And he was someone before I started this podcast. I'm like, I really I hope I can get to that point. I think like if you have someone like that in mind, it's helpful to kind of see how they do it and what they do mm-hmm. well and how you can kind of build hard. yourself. I think it's kind of hard too because like growing up for so many years, you know, I was you know, being interviewed constantly. Like I did yeah. red carpets all the time and I did phone interviews like multiple times a week, like magazine interviews and stuff. And like my publicist and my mom would like coach me before every interview on like, you know, how to say, you know, like how to, you know, answer these questions. Like here's mm-hmm. what they're probably going to ask you. Like here's how to, you know, like be prepared. Like don't sound like a dumb 12 year old, like try to say <laughs> something intelligent, you know? And they, I really did have to like sit down and like, you know, go over stuff with, with them before every, uh, before every interview. And, you know, they tell you the thing it was like, you know, try to bring something new to every interview you do, like some tiny little anecdote or story or yeah. you know, one liner that you've never told another interview. And I still, I still do that to this day. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so I think it was just like years and years and years of being coached on like how to be interviewed that when all of a sudden, like I was working with companies that like threw me into E3 and gave me a microphone and said, go talk to these people. I just froze. And like, I don't, uh, I could answer the questions that I'm asking like easily. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like they It's an entirely like, different world. People totally, assume that if you've done it one so way, you can hard. flip it around, no, but it's not how that works. So like I, it, it's. Like, I would probably suck if someone's like, hey, can I interview you? I'm like, yeah, but I'm probably going to have bullshit to say. Like, it, you can't just flip the switch and do one yeah. or the other. It takes time and more thought than maybe you'd assume it would. A lot of people start podcasts, I think, and like, this is going to be easy. I'll just invite people on. The questions will start flowing through me in like mm-hmm. 10 minutes. And you're like, my brain's frozen. What do I say? Like, that's yeah, why definitely. I write fucking everything down. <laughs> I like, knew you wrote down my intro. I knew you did. Oh, 100%. I, I would like... I I, I'm it. okay admitting that. I'm to, I, I always write down, this is like behind <laughs> closed doors. Look, I always write down like <laughs> 10 or 12 questions for someone just in, like just to make sure like, okay, in case my brain freezes, which thankfully hasn't yet, but if it does, I have these here. That's yeah. why I'm always worried. I'm a worried. big believer in prepping. Yeah, like at E3, I, think like, you need I was to. never able to prep. And so that's like the hardest thing. But Well, because yeah. like that's why I'm terrified. I For like my full-time job at one time, they're like, hey, can you do like a, a live interview like face-to-face someone I'm like oh god i don't have my notes i can't so this is an entirely yeah. different scale so it's so hard it's really difficult um lisa this is this is the last thing it's actually a question from me enough from anyone else uh where can people find you on social media and what are you working on right now that you can talk about i know you're doing oh, ufc stuff yeah. and videos so promote yourself okay um okay so i have a youtube channel it's just uh youtube.com slash lisa foils um i try to put a 
videos every Wednesday, uh, but sometimes I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I usually do. <laughs> How am I doing so far? How am I doing with the promoting? Great. Um, okay. uh, it's fantastic. I bet maybe I should be hired for this too. Yeah. More, more. Okay. Mo- more than all the other social medias, I'm mostly on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash Lisa Foyles official. It's just my favorite one. I kind of hate Twitter a little bit, but I still talk to people on there. Um, Twitter. I'll manage that Foyles. one for you. Don't worry about it. Instagram at Lisa Foyles. Um, yeah, and I'm doing the UFC Minute, which is a, a almost daily show for the UFC. It's just like a little, you know, tiny video just updating people and uh, on, you know, what the new fights are. And I get interview snippets from the fighters and just kind of fun stuff, um, kind of daily show. And uh, I'm the host of Desk of Death Battle on Screw Attack. I play Jocelyn the Intern, and I record it into this very mic. In fact, it feels like I'm doing an episode right now. Oh, man. And uh, so check that out. And uh, yeah, look for a really cool project in like two weeks. God, I want to talk about it so bad. Yeah. It's so cool. God, it's oh so God. cool. It's well, one of the will, coolest th- things I've done in so long. This will go live close to probably when that. Oh, okay. Is... Then maybe it's already up. I don't know. Yeah, it might be. I, yeah, I feel like it, this, will, this will probably go live right before it goes out. So I won't have you spoil it. Then we can, we can like, we can DM about it. Then I won't tell anyone. I promise. I'll post Kidding, about don't break it. NDA. No, I'll post about it all over my social media. So you'll, you'll definitely, definitely see it. So. Yay. I'm excited to see that. Uh, Lisa, Lisa, thanks so much for doing this. When I started doing these, when I started doing these mailbags and people were like, you should start answering questions. And I was like, okay, I want to bring past guests on. You were probably like the first person I thought of where I'm like, I should have Lisa back on because I bet there's a whole bunch of like shit we can go through. And also, I don't know, it feels like we've done like 300 podcasts, even though I've only done now officially two together because it just like it immediately (laughs) works every time. Yeah, Um, we got this. Yeah, it's hundred percent. If we want to do our own like duo podcast, we'll think of an incredible name, and this will be perfect, and we'll be on the top of the list every single time. Um, yeah, have so, your people call my people. <laughs> I wish we'll I had people. My dog is just gonna bark into <laughs> your dog calls my cat, and Kevin is my representative. And yeah, we'll make it out. Okay, this will be great. Uh, but yeah, thanks so much. This is always super fun, and yeah, hopefully. Maybe end of the year, we can do another one of these and we could talk more about anime. We could bring back our new uh, America's favorite segment, Is This Anime? And Is see how anime? that goes. <laughs> Your voice has to go up at the end. It has to sure every that. single fucking time. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's it's always a pleasure. Both times, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Both times. I swear, it feel like we've done this five it times. Really I don't does. know why it's only it really um so yeah thank you everyone for listening hopefully tune back in for the next episode of the 1099